Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us in worship today. I want to make sure that you have a bulletin. It's the guide for everything we do, not only in this service, um, but for a number of things coming up during the week. You can raise your hand if you don't have one, and we'll certainly get you one. If you turn it to the um, panel in the front, uh, once you open, you'll see the Ice Cream Social is coming up next week, and the United Methodist Women, uh, a foundational group in any United Methodist church uh, that does amazing work for our church, for our community, uh, for the world, really, is looking at their leadership for the coming year. If you please note the um, places that they have in the panel uh, for you to serve if you are interested. And if you've come to our church from another United Methodist Church and have yet to become active and would like to, um, Leanna Morris, our Director of Connection, can help you do that. If you open your bulletin uh, completely, you see our five practices of fruitful congregations, and you see our continued effort for our announcements to be uh, picture-based rather than word-based. We know that seeing an enormous paragraph uh, can be uh, daunting. You think, uh. But if we put these details in these pictures and you want more details, um, you can always ask any staff member uh, or the person in charge uh, of that particular thing. Uh, if you note uh, the start of um, youth group with that uh, fun activity and then we start in earnest after Labor Day. If you have any questions about any of these things, anything on our um, bulletin boards, um, please let us know. If you'll please stand and join us uh, as you're able for our first hymn number 139.
this worship service, we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed on page 881 in your hymnal. You're welcome to join us and you're welcome to simply listen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture reading is Psalm 126 on page 967 in your pew Bible. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to call forward our director of connection, Leanna Morris. Leanna has a couple of primary jobs. She watches people that are new to our congregation and makes sure that they get connected to our church. She comes up with ways for people who have been here 25 years to connect in different ways. She's responsible for our communication and our email to you. And she helps link me to people who want to talk with me and visit and potentially join the church. Very excited this morning. We have two families joining us: the Kleckler family, and if y'all come up and join us, and the McCotter family, and if y'all come up and join us. So, if this were a performance review, Leanna is doing her job. <laughs> if y'all ever have any questions, those of you that are new to the congregation, this is Leanna. And she can help you with any question that you have. If y'all uh, turn to page 38 in your hymnal, please. I want you to look and see if you have a word on page 38. And if not, I want you to get a pencil. We have a new word in the United Methodist Church in our covenant uh, that's been added since these hymnals were printed. You should in the bold on the bottom where it says our gifts and our service, if you mark out and on service and add and our witness, our gifts, our service, and our witness, if you don't see that already, at the bottom of page 38. Simon says you can write in your hymnal. I ask each of you, as members of Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries. If so, say I will. As members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, 
your gifts, your service, and your witness. And Jack, on the end, has joined the church as part of the confirmation class last year. So he'll be able to shake their hands as uh, welcoming them as a member. If you, as a congregation, participate in this covenant uh, with us by reading the bold with me. Members of the household of God, I commend these persons to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Come around here with me, Jack, and welcome our new members. <laughs> you want to come along with me? Shake your hand. Welcome to Memorial. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. If y'all can welcome them to our congregation. I can have a seat. If you've gone various places in the summer and you don't see the prayer list in the bulletin, there's a reason. It's in a new location and it's, we've tried to place it everywhere that we possibly can. It looks like this. It's a full piece of typing paper. There's a prayer on the front end and the back end that's written by our Director of Spiritual Life Council, Bobby McQuaid. And we have people that have submitted prayer requests uh, that are included in the middle. This is printed in the back of every worship service. It's on the table in your Sunday school classes. It's in the email if you want the digital version every Thursday. And if you ever have any trouble getting it, um, make sure you let us know. Um, if you want to submit items to it on any level, you have cards in your pews and also in the email. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for drawing us to this space this day. A special day in which we will gather around your table for Holy Communion, in which we welcome new people to our congregation, in which we sing and pray and read your texts with the ultimate goal of being your instruments in this community. Lord, as we read a letter written by a powerful starter of churches to new congregations attempting to form their identity. Help us, Lord, to see the struggle, to see the hope, to see the obstacles in the way, and to identify with all three that as we participate in this service, we may be those that remove obstacles, that commit to your message, and that share the table with one another. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. And you can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you're a guest in our congregation today, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can rely on the generosity of our people.
Please be seated. Today we continue in a series of reading 1 Corinthians. Church in Corinth is a busy place. Lots of people going in and out, lots of transition, lots of noise, and mild interest in starting a faith community that lives in the life that Jesus encouraged them to live. Paul, who started the church, can't stay there. He can only write them in the hope that they'll read the letter, that they'll try to live out those principles, and that they will be an established thing in Corinth sharing that message of Jesus. Today we read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, on page 1773. And if you like to read along, if you uh, will keep your Bible open as I read different sections. Before we begin, I want you to think about an image. Dust. Is dust ever a good thing? You go out and you just wash the car and now it's got dust all over it. And you think, Ugh, I should not have bought a black car. It shows up every time I do anything. How about when uh, people are coming over and you see dust on a uh, uh, mantle, on something, all of a sudden you've never seen this, but someone's coming over and you get 20-20 vision, whatever, less than that, 10-10 vision for every bit of dust all over your house. And you immediately think, should I do something about it? Whatever it may be. You never think of it as really a good thing unless you're thinking about Genesis 1. From the dust, it says, God formed all of these things. God gave light, God gave water, God gave land, animals, and humans. Earth began as a void, a formless void that was turned from dust into humanity. And humanity was given incredible responsibility to care for that creation. I wonder how often you think of such a thing. You think about your um, local, uh, right in front of your face responsibilities with family, friends, and church. Do you think, I was formed as a human being in order to be a caregiver to this entire place that was formed out of dust? And what we don't often think about is we have a certain time limit to do that. A time limit that we do not fully understand nor know. It's an unknown span that I am a part of the entire thing in my role. I go visit people that are going to have a child. I go visit people when they have a child. I have a baptism when they come forward. I have confirmation when they're growing up. I do premarital counseling with couples that are about to get married. I do marriage counseling with couples that have been married. I go there when people are sick. I go there when people are slipping away and I celebrate their life in the end. I see the entire thing. And you know, all of us figure that it's a certain amount of time. But we really have no idea, do we? And that notion of responsibility of a limited amount of time, of an urgency, is captured in this letter today, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. I'm sorry, I started reading the one from nine. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's talk about your next blank. Fear and trembling. He says, when I was able to speak to you, I came with you, came to you with great fear and trembling. Now, this is different than the average person thinking about public speaking. 
I completely get it when I say, um, do you want to come up and talk about this? And the person goes, <laughs> no. No, I'm not ever going to do that. I don't want to speak in front of crowds, and I get it. There's times, even all the hours that I've done it, I still, for one reason or another, get antsy um, when I have to say what I'm going to have to say. Now, when I started, in my experiences, and doing public speaking, remembering notes, curveballs that happen in the space that you have no idea that are going to happen. This is not what he's talking about. He's talking about a deep respect for the moment. A deep respect for the person and the responsibility of holding this text and saying anything on earth about it in front of other human beings. Now, sometimes we're in here enough, we're in worship enough, we read enough scripture that that fear and trembling kind of goes away. We say, oh, yeah, I know this story. Oh, yeah, I can speak on this text with great authority. The opposite of deep respect, the kind that's represented in that fear and trembling, is certainty. When you say to yourself, I know exactly what this text means. I know exactly what I'm supposed to say about it. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes those conversations can get quite hostile. Two people that are certain in the same room on opposite sides about a particular piece of scripture. It is magnified by 20 on social media. On the internet, when someone is certain and they write something and someone else is certain and they write a comment under it, it can get bigger and bigger and bigger. He says, I'm not going to do that. He says, you, Corinthians, are accustomed to speakers who come in and they act as if they know everything because that's the only hope they figure for you to listen. He said, I'm not coming that way. I'm coming with fear and trembling, not a uh, nervousness of the body, Something that when you see in a speaker and you go, oh man, I wish I could help them. I wish I could just give them a hug. But a nervousness of, I am speaking about the text with any authority whatsoever. He's making the decision to be a messenger rather than the message. Verse 6 continues. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God is destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So your next phrase, a message of wisdom. That wisdom comes from deep humility, which comes from deep, deep pain. You think about the mistakes that you've made in relationships, the mistakes you've made in your Christian walk, the mistakes you've made in your profession. When you knew for a fact what you were supposed to do and when you were supposed to do it, and you got out there ahead of yourself and made a truly difficult mistake, you will never forget that pain, ever. That pain sticks with you and hopefully it's not just a burden that you carry around. Hopefully is a thing that helps you in the future. I will not, will not do that again. But in terms of the walk, in terms of faith, Paul knows just about better than anybody. When he was referred to as Saul, as an all-star for the Jewish faith, he knew in his heart it was his calling to chase down, persecute, and execute Christians. He knew in his heart that, what he was, that was what he was supposed to do, and he was excellent. Until he's knocked off his horse, his eyes are covered over in scales, he cannot see, he's led by other people for three days. What's the longest you've gone without being able to see? What's the longest you've walked without being able to see? to see. He could not see for three days. And as he's sitting in a chair, in a bed, on the floor, not being able to see for three days after being confronted by God, he's got to think to himself, 
man, I thought I knew everything. And I don't. And the man that comes and lays his hands on his eyes is a Christian. A Christian who had formerly been persecuted by him. And as the scales fall off his eyes, both literally and figuratively, he now has a true sense, this is what I'm supposed to do. But not with that same arrogance that he had before. He says, I come with you with humility from failure, pain, and new insights. Guess who doesn't have the luxury to say that to the people in his time? Emperors and governors. The emperors and governors of his time, and maybe of any time, don't have the luxury of saying, whoa, I got that one really wrong. Because if they give any weakness, any frailty, any acknowledgement of mistakes, they may get overthrown. And so the people who see that political leadership figure, well, that's the model for Christianity too. The only way in Christianity, the only way to lead on this earth is to know with certainty and an iron fist and I know what I'm doing and I know where we're supposed to go. He says, you're going to see plenty of that. And if you want that, this is not where you want to be. You're not going to get that from me. He says, it's going to take a while before you listen. And he doesn't hold back. If I was in a public setting with any of y'all, 12 members in a committee, and I laid out an idea for the future, and one of you said, you know, I really don't think we ought to do that for whatever reason it should be, and I said, well, you know, that this idea is really only for the mature. Really only for the people that get it. Really only people who are humble enough and smart enough to understand the words that I'm putting out there. What do you think the response would be? If I emailed a group of 12 people, because that's more applicable here, and someone responded back, I'm not sure we should do that. And I responded to everyone in the email and said, well, you know, it's only for the mature. It's only for the people who are truly intelligent and humble. Who can get this? What would the response be? Well, there'd be a group of people that would think, finally. Then there'd be a group of people that would think, whoa. I don't know if we should say that. And then there'd be a group of people who would be deeply enraged and would band together and write something furious back. I guess Paul can't concern himself with all of that. He's got to simply lay it down to them that maturity and wisdom and humility are the only ways that they can carry forward in this church. Verse 9 says, However, as it's written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. I love that phrase. No human mind has conceived. Now, if I, ask you, if I asked you to picture heaven, I wonder what image would come to mind for you. If I asked you to picture who would be in heaven, certain people would come to mind for you. If I said, who do you figure is not going to be there? Certain people, I'm guessing, might come to mind for you. What mind is it that you're using to do that? Human mind. A limited, only seeing what's right here in front of me, mind. I'm not faulting you for that. Paul's not faulting you for that. He's saying the thing that is ahead of us, that God has created... It's more amazing than anything you've ever heard or seen and could ever conceive. Isn't that interesting? Because we make images of it. Movies and books try to capture the image, but we just can't. We don't fully understand. So what we go with is what we know and what we like. 
I want you to picture a playground. Here's a great one right out here. I want you to picture parents who have gone out of their way to take a three-year-old to that playground and let the three-year-old play for a good 40 minutes with friends. It's 521. Everybody's tired. We've got to get home. We've got to get dinner. And the parent says to the three-year-old, all right, let's go. What's the three-year-old do? No. Three more minutes, and then we've got to go. Three-year-old runs and plays. Three minutes are up. It's time to go. No. They're going to the steps of the playground, of the, side, of the slide, and the parent comes and gets child. What is the child's primary tactic in that situation? Dead weight. <clears throat> and that child is the heaviest they could possibly be. Why? Because this playground is the greatest thing I could possibly think of. There's no reason to leave. Why would we leave here? That doesn't make any sense. And so I want to dictate where we go and what we do. With what scope does a three-year-old have? About right here. This is about what they get. That three-year-old will turn themselves inside out, figuring they know the most beautiful thing that could ever be, and they should dictate when and how it happens. The disciples figured they knew what to do. When Jesus said, we've got to go to Jerusalem, Galilee's great, we've done great things, we've fed a lot of people, we've healed a lot of people, we've called a lot of people, we've got to go to Jerusalem. Guess what Peter did? About what that three-year-old did in adult form. I don't want to go to Jerusalem. I don't want to go and face those people. I don't want to do any of this. I want to stay here. That's because the human mind can only perceive so much, can only conceive of so much. And in that limited understanding, we don't seek humility. We seek total confidence and arrogance that we do know what we're doing. It's a struggle, isn't it? You can see it so clearly in other people when they do it. 2020. But we sometimes struggle to see when we are doing it. And if we base our joy in our outcomes, based on our preconceived notions, based on our perceptions, we will be continually chasing and deeply unhappy. But the maturity that comes from acknowledging our brokenness in the liturgy that we read before communion, the joy that comes in the forgiveness that we read, the strength that comes from gathering around the same table, and the calling that is placed on us as we walk out the door gives us an opportunity to be mature. But we also have an opportunity to just go limp and do what we want to do every single day. So your final question, can we humbly wait for what God prepares for us? Out of the dust that we would have no imagination something special would come from. When we find ourselves surrounded by anger or bitterness, when we find ourselves in the midst of sickness of a loved one or ourselves, when we share a table with a select group of people, can we humbly wait? Can we be patient? Can we offer what has been offered to us? We will see when we go out the door. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you would please turn to page 12 in your hymnal to participate in the communion liturgy. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. 
Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We have failed. We have broken. We have rebelled. Because in our limited scope, we have decided what is best for us. We've acknowledged this individually and as a church. It's important to do that. It's important to acknowledge our forgiveness as well. Forgiveness that is significant to move forward from this day and live in the name of God. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. If we feel the burden of our brokenness and never move on, we struggle. If we accept forgiveness and never offer it again, we struggle. If we accept the forgiveness that has been offered to us and we offer forgiveness to others, we begin to live this Christian life that we were called to live. Verse 13, page 13 reads, The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the dinner, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I'd like to call those forward who are helping me serve this morning. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to take communion are welcome to do so. In this service, um, we have you come forward as rows that are led by our ushers. The person that's at the point of this um, pew and the point of that pew should come to this point and this point so that those people can trail behind you. 
You certainly can kneel, but you don't have to. We also have um, gluten-free elements should you need them on each corner. I'll hand you a piece of bread and um, you'll be handed a um, cup of juice. Uh, you eat the bread and uh, drink the juice and um, remain there until we uh, ask the entire group to lead together um, to their pew to a time of silent prayer and reflection. You're absolutely welcome to come, but by no means required to come. And if we can come directly to your seat in order to help you, we will be glad to do that. We ask the choir to come first.
Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for calling us to repentance, for offering us forgiveness, for sharing the table with us. As we leave this space, Lord, a quiet space designed to reflect and encourage. And we go into a world that promotes opposite things. Help us, Lord, to remain steadfast, to be humble, to offer your love that you've given us this day and every day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you'll please stand as you're able for our final hymn, number 347. in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.